Good morning. This is Joe Pantozzi, and I'm here with Donovan Thiessen, CPA, and we're both in Las Vegas, Nevada, as well as having a client reach, I should say, across the country. So good morning, Donovan. Morning, Joe. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. It's, it's good to see you. We've had uh, several meetings in person, and we do travel in some of the same professional circles as far as being a professional uh, allies and, and colleagues. So, uh, and I have introduced Donovan to, to several of my clients who have availed themselves of his services. So I just wanted to get our, our audience uh, familiar with you, have an introduction to you and, and your firm, how you work, who you are, so that people could feel comfortable so that when they, they pick up the phone to call your office, uh, they can have an idea of, of who you are. And, and hopefully as we go forward, uh, we'll, we'll have a, um, a strategic alliance in a sense where you'll know how we do financial planning we'll, and we'll know how you do uh, tax returns, how you approach the idea of tax planning. And so this seems to be something that a lot of clients like to have in advance, they like to know who the professionals are that, that they might consider hiring. So, so here we are. So I'm going to ask you a few questions as, as far as background. Uh, I, I know that you're, you're from Davenport, Iowa, which is really cool because I happened to spend a few days in Iowa this past May and hadn't been there in, in, in quite a while. So you've been in, in Las Vegas and Henderson uh, for, for quite a number of years. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Uh, just going on 20 years now. Nice, nice. And I know that your office is, is right uh, near the intersection of Windmill and Eastern. And so you, you may have a more concentrated clientele in, in the southern part of, of the county as opposed to Summerlin or, or other places. But like I said, we, we both have clients that are, that are pretty much everywhere. And my understanding from a CPA's point of view is that you don't have to be admitted state by state to work with people. That's correct. Yeah. We, we have uh, people outside of Nevada um, that I, yeah, I prepare state returns for a multitude of States, uh, you know, off the top of my head, Illinois, Arizona, California, Utah. Um, there's a number of States, New York is one that we prepare for Missouri, Colorado, Right. Uh, we have, we, yeah, we have, whether the clients are actually doing business in those states or they have rental activities in those states. In fact, one of my clients uh, just uh, called me yesterday to inform me that he, in, he inherited some farm property, uh, so, uh, rental property in Michigan. And so we coordinated and discussed the taxability and how we're going to approach the accounting on, you know, on that new activity. So yeah, I'm not restricted to Nevada. Great, great. Now, um, I know that you do work for individuals who are W-2 wage earners, and you also do a lot of work for business owners. So one, one question that people always think about uh, at the beginning of any year is, what's happening in, um, in the, in the, from the point of view of the IRS, what's happening from the point of view of the government that I should be concerned about um, maybe when, when, when we go to finalize my tax return for last year, and maybe some planning considerations for this year. Anything off the top of your head that jumps out? A couple of things. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, so 
the very first thing that I would say that that is uh, was a little bit of a surprise to me, IRS enforcement of cryptocurrencies has has uh, really taken off over the last two years. IRS is a, is uh, has hired experts to to learn about the blockchain, Bitcoin, all cryptocurrencies. So there's a there's a staff that's been in effect for a few years now. Um, you know, and when you trade Bitcoin, it's, it's an off-market investment. Obviously, it's not, it's, it's. I don't know, do we call it an underground investment still? It's not something that everybody gets. It's not something that's offered typically through your traditional channels. Um, but, uh, and, and because of that, uh, there's no 1099s that are typically produced. There's no, it's very difficult for the IRS to track activity in, in this area. So the big thing is on the first page of your Form 1040, just below your name and address, above your wages and interest and dividends and all that information, um, it actually there's actually a question now that says, "Did you require or did you acquire? Did you sell? Did you buy? Did you trade? Exchange? Did, did you?" Uh, they're not, they're not asking if you owned any. They're asking if you exchange any any mm-hmm. uh, via sale or per, you know or a, a purchase of any cryptocurrencies in the year 2020. Yes or no. And, you know, as you know, there's a statement of, uh, do you, uh, there, there's a statement of perjury, essentially, on any tax return sta- right. stating, you know, that, that you have correctly answered the questions and supplied all the income on your tax returns. So that's a very critical question if you've done any cryptocurrency uh, trading in 2020. Um, lovely, lovely. So then, so then our friends at the IRS, God bless them are looking uh, for opportunities to catch us and, and put a little noose around our neck. So, so as a non-CPA, my guess would be, number one, that they're looking to catch any uh, short-term gains where they could charge us with ordinary income because we're obligated to report whether they can, whether we get a, a 1099 or not from somebody, we're obligated to report a gain. Yeah. So the, the way I normally phrase that is that all income is taxable unless the IRS says it's not. Right. It's basically the way it works. Perfect. And and uh, and so, you know, dealing with some insurance products, you can see clearly where there are exclusions for income. Um, but uh, for yeah, in this particular case, Bitcoin is absolutely income if you if you have proceeds on a sale. But but it's specifically treated as uh it's, it's, it's treated as property. So it's actually any, any income that you receive, any income, any gain or loss, I should say, it's reported on Schedule D as a capital transaction, the same as any stock sale would, would go. So, uh, so there, you know, in the case of Bitcoin, it's very problematic for people if they don't understand the accounting and tax rules for this stuff. Uh, it, especially if they're trading between currencies, it can be very can quickly become complicated in terms of assessing what the gain or loss is, what your cost basis is. And this is something that people just don't think about when they're thinking about this, this type of asset. There's actually an inventory. It's an inventoryable asset. So uh, for, for the clients that I prepare taxes for that have Bitcoin, we have to determine and keep track of what your inventory is for not only for Bitcoin, but if you have any other asset classes that are related, you know, other other cryptocurrency that you may own that you've been exchanging in and out of, it, it's very difficult. So at the end of any particular period, like I would say in an annual period, you would have um, a certain number of cryptocurrency assets 
that have a certain cost basis to it. And those cost basis will be different because you probably acquired them over different periods of time. So, and because I just did a tiny bit of, of homework with you prior to the call, uh, I know that you've been doing tax returns from people with cryptocurrency for a number of years. Correct. Uh, back, back to approximately 2014. Um, we, my first client kind of, they were an accidental investor in this. I, I'm not sure how they got started, but it was early on uh, when they were, he had some of his early cost basis at $8.00. Nine dollars. Oh my it's, goodness! Yeah, that was in uh, the activity that was that we were dealing with was back in 2013, I believe, where uh, the pricing at that time spiked up to an incredible level of three hundred dollars, and I think six hundred six hundred dollars or so, and then it went back down to a low low cost basis. So, um, so yeah, he kind of stumbled in on it, and we knew his family, and so he came to us, asked for help, and um, it was actually my experience dealing with. Um, metal trading, physical, physical metals trading, uh, some, you know, people that, that deal with physical gold sales and sales mm -hmm. and purchases, palladium, mm -hmm. silver, that kind of stuff. The, the accounting works very similar for that as it does to Bitcoin. So, so the experience part laid really well into this area. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let me, let me move on to another area. Um, so what I've just heard is, is that you're, you're established as a person who has has some expertise in doing tax returns for people who have some type of cryptocurrency. So that's good for me to know. It's good for my clients to know. And so let me ask you, if, if a person wants to speak with you and find out whether they'd be comfortable hiring you as their CPA, how do they go about doing that? Uh, the answer is, uh, is that they can go to my website. It's theaccountant.com. CPA. Love it. And I know my phone number is there, my email is there, and they can they can access me very quickly through that channel. So the so accountant. I'm sorry. So will uh, you get so a call with them and schedule a few minutes to, to say hello? Yeah, yeah. So what I do is uh, what so I can send an email out to the client. In that email, I have a calendar link to where they can select the time period that they want, the type of appointment that they want. It, it uh, syncs with my calendar, so. They can um, they can select the appointment time that works for them, but but usually a, an initial client meeting would be maybe 20, 30 minutes or so just to see, you know, ask some basic questions, and then if it needs more detail, we can schedule a, a subsequent call, or I might ask them to send me some documents to review, and then we can have a subsequent call to see if I can offer some solutions or value to their situation. Perfect, perfect, and and I often, I shouldn't say often, but on occasion, I'll have a call from somebody who says. I don't think anybody can help me. I think I'm going to tax jail because I haven't filed a tax return in five years. And I say, um, I can't give you any assurances that you're going to jail or not going to jail. I have no idea. But the best thing that you can do is get on the phone with somebody, let's say it's Donovan, and talk through your situation. Is that the best advice I could give him? Yeah, so that actually is a really good, that's a great question. And it's something that I do run across from time to time. Um, my answer to that might surprise you. Hmm. Um, I have some referral partners that I might work with. Um, I, I might get a basic understanding of what the scenario is, if they have reasonable cause for not filing, if they due to an illness, which I've seen before. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have gone back and cleaned all that, all that stuff up. We've gotten people filed before. Um, what I've noticed is though, is that it's very time intensive. It's very, it's, it's a, usually turns into a large project that, um, it's difficult, difficult to, to, you know, I guess, so it's usually a case where, uh, those clients have to come up with a lot of bank statements, a lot of tax records. And so the time can really drag on and, and it's just not something that's turnkey. So I actually work with a few professionals that are well equipped to handle these conversations and, and work with them on, on getting their tax compliance up to speed. Um, what we tend to focus on at my firm is live operating companies. So we have a lot of like high net worth individuals, uh, business owners that are needing to know what's going on in their practice right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so we do, we, we provide accounting services to them and then follow up with estimated tax calculations, um, tax planning. Um, typically these clients do, you know, they, they deal with, um, variety of uh, investment income. They might have passive income in terms of uh, rental properties, rental activities. So we, we really try and focus our time to, 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 to be with the, um, you know, the active business owner that's needing the current, current modeling, current forecasting. They want to know what's going on month to month to make sure that they're making the best decisions possible for their business and their employees and their clients. Yeah. Um, but your, your question is good, though, because I do come across it from time to time. And my best answer is, is that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to, to see what, you know, what their situation may be, just to make sure that I can, you know, maybe I can be a quarterback on the conversation. And sure. then once they get caught up, we can come back to that conversation as far as getting good. once they're once they're caught up. Perfect. Thank you for that. Now, as far as uh, bookkeeping services, do you, do you offer that service for clients? You do, we do. Your monthly record keeping? We do. Uh, yes. So we're, we have a large number of clients that, are, um, that share their data with us through QuickBooks Online primarily. Great. So when I launch QuickBooks uh, you know, on my terminal, my workstation, I can easily toggle through the other, the other companies there and so we, yeah, we have a system in place where we get the monthly statements for that company. We record the activity, we ask questions, uh, and then we look at, you know, historical performance. We may talk about forecasting, um, you know, setting budgets, and, and but certainly the accounting and bookkeeping side of our practice is, is alive and well. And we, we really enjoy that interaction with the clients because we get to talk to them every month. Good. So Good. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a definitely a service we love. That's that's really where we're pushing our, our focus, really. Right. Right. Now, when it comes to that scary uh, letter that some clients will open up on occasion, the scary letter from the IRS that says, um, hey, you've won the audit lottery and we've decided we're going to audit you either either by correspondence or, God forbid, in person. Um, it, in, in my experience, you're the person that actually stands in on behalf of the client and, and communicates and speaks the same language as the IRS. So tell me a little bit about your representing a client to the IRS in an audit type situation. So, yeah, so in an audit situation, um, you know, these, I just got done with one. We just finished one uh, in December. We finalized the settlement and uh, 
These things go better when you have good documentation. So I, and I, I, I was lucky to, the most recent one that we went through, the client was meticulous with saving emails, saving receipts. And this particular client is just absolutely meticulous with updating. I mean, they send me a receipt for just about everything. And they upload it to my secure portal on a regular basis, weekly basis, sometimes daily basis. And so I lucked out with them actually getting audited because we were ready to go. We, we were able to compile the work papers uh, uh, on time in a timely manner. I reached out to them a few times for work papers I did not have. They sent them over to me very quickly. That relationship, that cross, that, that attribute on, on the side of the taxpayer made everything so much better. And, you know, I, I've, I've seen it enough times to where a lot of people don't save, they don't, they don't save these things or they might just have it stored in their email. Um, and so I, I, you know, that's a scary, com that's a, that's, that's an undesirable conversation to have if you're audited and you're not, and you're, you know, your, your record keeping habits are not, are not, you know, they need to be improved. Sure. So, so um, yeah, basically what, what ends up happening in those situations is, is we get an initial interview set up and we go over some of the questions that they're flagging. Um, they might be looking at, revenues, they might be looking at cost of goods sold, um, they might be interested in related entities. They might, you know, they might ask, you know, do you own any other companies? Mm -hmm. Do you make loans to those other companies? Do you do business with those other companies? And so inadvertently, you might drag another company into the audit if you're not careful. Right. right. You know, so yes, yeah, so that's, that's, those are, those are, you know, those can be, those can be um, anxious, you know, anxiety ridden type conversations. But, um, but, you know, one of the things that was, I'll, I'll give you something you may not have heard about. One of the things that was asked of, of me in this most recent one was the IRS wanted a, a backup copy of the client's QuickBooks hmm. going back 10, going back 10 years. Oh my goodness. So that was something that I had not been asked for before. So we, you know, I had, we had some discussions on that. You know, what, what is there risk for doing this? Is there risk for not doing this? You know, the audit scope was this particular year and now they, they have access to every year. So uh, so we, we did comply. You know, there's uh, there was an argument that was presented that we didn't have to comply. And but we ultimately did. And everything went OK. But uh, but yeah, the, the audit conversation is really just one where, you know, you want to have timely communication, timely responses well-organized work papers that you present to the, to the auditor. Um, you know, you want to encrypt all the files, you're sending them via mail or uploading them through the internet, um, strong passwords and so to speak. But yeah, I'm, I'm meticulous when it comes to the work paper um, accumulation. So the PDFs that I was sending, I would go the extra step. I would make an index. I would bookmark the files, you know, page, page by page if necessary, just really try and make their job as easy as possible. Sure, great. Yeah, that, that that kind of reminds me to ask you this question. How far back should people keep their records and their tax returns? Generally seven years. OK, yeah, seven years is, is the guideline there. You know, I if they're PDF. So that was a question that sort of changed over the years. Uh, when I started in, in this business approximately 13 years ago, um, that that question came up. But it came up because people had physical boxes of, you know, documentation, physical returns that they're storing right. in their closet. Right. Now it's mostly PDFs. Right. 
So being that they're PDFs and the cost of data storage is so low, I mean, if it were me, I would just keep everything. Uh, you know, unless you're really unless you're really conscientious of how much data storage is costing you, um, I would I would say seven years is a, is the guideline. But again, if it's mostly digital stuff that you're storing, you know, it shouldn't hurt you to store more than seven years. Your kids might find it interesting to to review later on. You know, perfect. Perfect. That's what I want my kids to go back and look at it. Hey, let's see grandpa's tax returns from 1976. And yeah, I, so I have a few. <laughs> it actually is. So I, uh, I, I was, um, yeah, I had a, I, we, how do I say this? I had a friend that um, had an old copy of one of the original tax returns that was filed. I don't remember if it was scrubbed with the person's name on it, but from a historical perspective, it actually was interesting to look at. So uh, that would be the probably one of the few reasons I would say to keep it beyond seven years, other than it's just why not keep it for more than seven years if it's a digital issue. If it's a physical storage issue, then yeah, if you need to get rid of it and shred, I would just hang on to seven years worth. Sure, sure. So uh, I, I guess something that you and I have talked about before is, is I always encourage my clients to have a professional at, at every point in their in their life, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a financial planner like myself, uh, and it, it might be a separate insurance advisor because sometimes financial advisors and insurance people occupy two two separate um, stations. We we happen to to work on both of those things in our in our practice, but I encourage my clients to have a CPA uh, to to do their heavy lifting as far as the IRS is concerned. I, I personally would not want the burden of having to do my taxes uh, because I have, I have better things to do with, with my life, number one. Number two, if I'm only doing one tax return a year, I don't have any expertise. But if I'm working with a CPA who does, let's say hundreds of tax returns and who's literally seen Every situation that you can come up with, with you know, within within reasonableness, and and this is just a an out and out commercial for you, Donovan. I want people to have a professional advisor to deal with their taxes, their their finances, their investments, their insurance, um, their their legal documents, wills and trusts, and so forth. So I'm going to encourage our clients who are listening and um, and prospective clients who are listening and watching to give Donovan a call. Have a conversation with him. Um, ask him any any questions that are that are top of mind for you. You may be concerned about what the new administration is thinking about doing. And again, all we can do is speculate. Um, and and we know what what President Elect Biden has said he'd like to do. And it could get it could take him a couple of years to put some of those things into effect. He might decide to. Uh, try to, to push through the, the higher tax bracket for people above 400,000 uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, these are the kinds of things that we have a professional accountants for is to ask their opinion, um, ask them what they're thinking. Your, your crystal ball as far as taxes is going to be way clearer than mine. So again, it's still an opinion. It's still speculation, but I want to have that person in my corner and on my team. And especially if I get the IRS reaching out to me and saying, Hey, Joe, remember that uh, dinner that you took those 14 people to, uh, was there really any business discussed 
And what exactly happened to that, to that relationship? Yeah, I, I want to keep good records. I want to make sure that my records are, are, are adequate as far as my CPA is concerned. Because, uh, you know, by, from my lips to God's ears, I only want to hear from the IRS once every 50 years. <laughs> but um, as long as I'm, I'm keeping up with what my accountant wants me to do, then I think I'm going to be pretty comfortable. So uh, this is hopefully one of, of uh, more or many conversations that you and I will have. I'd like to uh, invite my clients to talk to you and um, we'll, we'll, we'll do a follow-up. Maybe we'll talk some more about how we work together with regard to the infinite banking concept with a lot, with a lot uh, which a lot of our clients are using uh, with regard to crypto, which you mentioned, which is an excellent subject to talk about because a lot of people are curious about it. And until people get good information, they're not going to want to stick their toe into the water. So I appreciate your, your bringing that up. Um, beyond that, uh, I'll, I'll say thank you, Donovan. I appreciate your time today. And um, it was just a, a quick, get acquainted, uh, general overview of, of who you are and how you practice. And uh, we look forward to having more conversations in the future and being able to uh, recommend our clients to you. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate your time today. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, folks. And we'll talk to you soon.